Well, welcome back to Musings of an Extrovert. My name is Darvin Wentes. Uh, my name is Aaron Runzo. And we have been your host. We have been talking about the book of Hebrews. And today is the day we are going to jump right in. So thank you if you've been listening and you've been watching uh, and following along with us, walking through what hermeneutics is, how hermeneutics can help you understand the context of what we're reading and basically take you out of being a 21st century, you know, person in the United States, if that's where you're watching. Uh, and if you're watching elsewhere, awesome. Thank you for watching wherever you are. Um, mm -hmm. But it helps you take you out of the context that you're in, put you into the context of the reader that this was originally written to and it helps you understand what it meant to them because what it meant to them is what it should mean to us. Um, and it shouldn't be the other way around. It shouldn't be that I understand it this way. I This is what it means to me um, because the, the Bible was not written in a your truth, my truth reality. And uh, your truth, my truth reality isn't even reality. The Bible was written in reality. And so... It has a meaning. There is something that it's trying to say, and we should try to understand it in what it was trying to say to us. So that's what we're going to do today. Mm -hmm. Within the book of Hebrews, we're going to look at specifically chapter 11, and we're going to try to understand what chapter 11 means to us. And we're going to use all of the tools that we talked about, uh, and we're going to introduce some other tools that are important as well, and that is in-context reading. Um, so I'm going to read chapter 11 for you, um, but since Aaron is the one with the divinity degree, he's going to actually get us in context, and he's going to read chapter 10, um, because chapter 11 wasn't written in a vacuum. He didn't just write chapter 11 and then put it in a in a container and send it off to the church that it was written to. It was written right after chapter 10, uh, and it also wasn't written as chapter 10 and 11. It was just written as one big thought. You know, this letter was yeah. written to them as one cohesive message to the church. Um, so we're going to try to understand that. So first, we're going to jump in. And before we do, please like, subscribe, go ahead and leave a comment and hit that bell. That way you can get notified every single time we drop mm -hmm. an episode we have one more episode after this for this series, and I'm very excited about it. Um, so we're going to go ahead and jump in. But again, please like, subscribe, and leave a comment. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk first a little bit about the overall context. So before I read 11, we're going to go through that. So the overall context, where we're at in the book of Hebrews. So who was this book written to? If you've read from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 11, mm -hmm. by this point, you will have heard about <laughs> angels. You will have heard about Moses. You will have heard about Melchizedek. You will have heard about a lot of people you, mm -hmm. that you may not know who they are. You may, if you've been in the church for any no number of years, you might have heard these names. You may even know some of the stories that go along with these names. Yeah. Uh, some of these names have multiple stories that go along with them. I yeah. mean, Moses has a zillion stories that goes along <laughs> with him, you know. Um, so the first thing you might think of is the, the sea parting. 
but you might not know that he also was in the wilderness and he met his father-in-law in in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. Uh, You may not know some of these things. There's a million stories for them. Hebrews walks through some of these stories with a purpose. And I will venture to say that the overall purpose of Hebrews is to point to Jesus as the fulfillment of the promises that were given to the Hebrew people and why the Hebrew people should follow him and why they should love him with all their life and share his gospel with the world. And that's what I think the overall meaning of it is. And if you read through 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, you will start to see, hmm, Hebrews, the author of this book, really is pointing to Jesus like every five minutes. He's Mm -hmm. pulling up Jesus and saying, Jesus is like this thing, isn't he? And when you start seeing that, it starts transforming the way that you're reading this book. Yeah. Um, would you like to add anything to that before we keep going? No, that that is all um, very, very correct, very true. And it's, um, again, he said it's all pointing to Jesus. All of these people and all of these stories are brought up. And again, they're used to show that Jesus is a better form of all of these that he is the yep. supreme being we we talk about priests and moses and um Melchizedek and angels but again it's not to highlight them or even how profound they are yeah but it's to show that hey these um these all served a specific purpose in the timeline of the old testament and these purposes whatever they were to fulfill or to carry out it was all laying down a shadow or a, a pointing to yep. Jesus, who is the fulfillment of all of these in the perfect way. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And this book, if you ha- were reading through um, the 1 to 10 again, you're also going to see that the people that are being written to, there's some certain things that the author is saying that make it sound like these people probably had some things going on. Like there were some things going on in their lives that were not necessarily exciting. Um, you know, persecution is a word that's thrown around a lot. Um, but like they were experiencing some sort of persecution. Now, I don't know what that persecution was. I can just understand right now that there was some, some kind of persecution. And I don't think you necessarily need to know Mm -hmm. what the persecutions were, but you just need to know that there was a reason for them to do something other than just capitulate. And that's what we're going to get into in chapter 11 and then subsequently into 12. Um, So I'm going to read through chapter 11. And then we're going to talk about maybe some things that you might do after just reading chapter 11 and some pitfalls that you might go into. And then we'll read 10 Mm -hmm. and see, oh, man, those pitfalls are alleviated by actually going and reading what was said in context. So let's go ahead and read 11. And... There are going to be certain portions that I may just skip over and say, read this yourself uh, for the sake of time, because we only have so much time. But these are all, first of all, chapter 11 is an overview. Basically, like the author just decided to go on a marathon (laughs) and share story after story after story after story. And let me tell you where all those stories come from. If you go to the front of your Bible... And you open it up. In the very first couple of pages, you're going to go to a place that says contents. And on the table of contents, you're going to see Genesis, 
Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms. You're going to see a ton, a ton of books. Mm -hmm. Chapter 11 covers basically all of them. And that is wild. That's a marathon of stories and books that he is pulling from, that the author is pulling from. Most specifically, he's going to mention, and he's going to mention these stories by name, uh, stories from Genesis, stories from Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to go on and say, hey, time is going to, like, I don't have enough time to talk about those stories that come from the song or the prophets that come from the kings and the chronicles of all the kings in yeah. Israel's history. I don't have time to talk about all those things, but those all were by faith as well. So let's go ahead and jump in with that context in place and let's start reading what these stories were. So, chapter 11. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gift, and through, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found. Because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he commended the, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob heirs with him of the same promise for he was looking forward to the city that has foundation whose designer and builder is god by faith sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised therefore from descendants from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. 
By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was not looking for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the, po the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection some were tortured refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment they were stoned they were sawn in two they were killed with the sword they went about in skins of sheep and goats destitute afflicted mistreated of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in the deserts and in mountains and in dens and the caves of the earth and all these though commended through their faith did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Now, when you read chapter 11, there's a lot of stories. There's a lot in there. <laughs> and there's like, I, I didn't even count them, but I think there's probably well over 20 stories in there. Um, and it sounds like the author is just saying like, hey, by faith, great things will be accomplished. Mm -hmm. That's And that can be kind of the the thought that first comes to mind. And that's often what a lot of people will understand yeah. that particular scripture as. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you just have to have faith and, you know, great things will happen or good things will happen or, you know, you can get, and a lot of prosperity, people will think, oh, you can get that car, you can get that thing, you can get this or that. Um, yeah. And it becomes this kind of, if I have faith that God will give it to me, it will be given to me. Um, and I think there's reason to say something like that, but not because of the scripture. And I think that's what 10 is going to show us, yeah. that there's reason to, to not say that about the scripture. Because once you actually read it in context, I'm going to ask you to read 10 and then I'm going to ask you to go ahead and read the start of 12 okay. for yeah. us too. So then you can share, hey, what is the finishing thought to 11? Because if you didn't realize, 11 didn't have a finishing thought. Mm -hmm. It didn't sound like there was anything finished other than 
oh man, they didn't get what they were going after. Yeah. You know, yeah. like yeah. what what was it that they were going after? Mm-hmm. We just don't know. Twelve tells you. That's why you read in context, <laughs> and you go into twelve and you say, oh, twelve is referring to eleven. Yeah. So we're gonna read chapter ten. Um, what are some other pitfalls that you've seen from people with this particular chapter? Yeah. Um, another big one is um, all all throughout the church and and probably even all throughout history people have also kind of veered off and made idols of the specific people that are being mentioned in chapter 11, highlighting them as if they're being spoken of because of their good works and, and we should live and be like them and pursue them. But it's the complete opposite. Although they are being commended for their faith, that's the whole point of faith that it's not a single ounce of our own doing or our own work, but it's our faith and through the grace of Christ that we are justified yeah. and made righteous. But these people that are highlighted in chapter 11, they are being highlighted in the sense that they were nothing in and of themselves. Yep but they are redeemed and the promises are fulfilled um, for them and, and throughout eternity because of their faith in the one whose works are perfect yeah. and because of their faith in the one who is holy, yeah. which is Jesus. And so we must be like them in the sense that we become nothing and we give everything to Christ. We be, we become like them in the sense yeah. that we point our faith and our trust and our hope and our love and our heart in and to Jesus. Yeah. And so I think that's a big thing that needs to kind of serve as a preface of we are not to seek to be like them in the sense of works or idolatry. Yeah. But we seek Christ just as they sought Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're going to go ahead and read 10. And uh, we're going to get some context here. Uh, And this episode is going to be just a little bit longer than the last two episodes. So Mm -hmm. stick with us. It's going to be worth it. Uh, And uh, yeah, we're going to go right into into 10. (laughs) Here we go. Chapter 10. And I will make a note too. I'm reading from the NASB. Yep. And I was reading from ESV. So So if you want to follow along with either one of us, both of us, you have the context there. ESV and NASB. So here's Hebrews chapter 10. For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the form of those things itself, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually every year, make those who approach perfect. Otherwise would they not have ceased to to be offered, because the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have had consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, You have not desired sacrifice and offering, but you have prepared a body for me. You have not taken pleasure in whole burnt offerings and offerings for sin. Then I said, Behold, I have come. It is written of me in the scroll of the book to do your will, O God. After saying above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and offerings for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. 
He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us, for after, saying, This is the covenant which I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws upon their hearts and write them on their mind. He then says, And their sins and their lawless deeds I will no longer remember. Now where there is forgiveness of these things, an offering for sin is no longer required. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let's approach God, let's approach God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together, as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has ignored the law of Moses is put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But remember the former days when, after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through insults and distress, and partly by becoming companions with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better and lasting possession. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not among those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith for the safekeeping of the soul. And then going on, Chapter 12, therefore, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses, 
surrounding us. Let's rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let's run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking only at Jesus, the originator and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Yeah, that mm. is so mm. such good context for us to know. Why did the writer of Hebrews start giving us all these stories? Yeah, man, when you start seeing, hey, he's talking about these people. Who uh, and he shares these stories that or these these words that were said in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. things like, "Vengeance is mine, I will repay." And again, the Lord will judge His people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And just shortly before that, sharing how someone who walks and tramples underfoot the mm-hmm. Son of God and says, "This sacrifice doesn't matter to me," mm-hmm. he he totally rejects this sacrifice. He has said, "Well." There is no longer any other sacrifice for you then. Mm -hmm. There's nothing. Nothing can save you other than Jesus himself. And you have rejected that. So there is no salvation for you if you reject that. And that's not the original point of even just him saying that. Because as we continue on, he's actually talking to these people and saying, no, we are not a part of that group of people. Mm-hmm. We are not the people who shrink back. We're not the people who trample underfoot the name of God. We are those who have faith and endure. And then we jump in mm-hmm. to, by faith, they endured. By faith, they stopped the mouth of lions. By faith, they crossed the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. By faith, they had a child, even though they were 92 years old. Mm-hmm. By faith, by faith, by faith, and then what he just read in chapter 12 yeah. is the culmination of that. Mm-hmm. We need this faith in order to continue on in following Jesus so we don't grow weary, so we don't yeah. lose yeah. heart. We need this faith because they all had it and they received the they're in this cloud of witnesses. They are there they are partakers in the promise mm-hmm. with us. And yeah. rather, we are partakers in the promise with them because they have already endured yeah. and they are getting to the end with us. They're already kind of there. The already but not yet is a concept within the theological world. Yeah. Um, but they are already in that glory, but not yet. Yeah. And we are already in that glory, but not yet in a different way. Yeah. They're waiting for the fullness of it to come just as we are yeah. but we are still enduring what they have already endured exactly yeah and that's and you made all those all those statements great points especially on the aspect of faith there's a huge misconception oftentimes present in the church um that the old testament which we are reading about in this letter to the hebrews and this new testament which we're living in now after the fulfillment of christ on the cross there's a misconception that, okay, the Old Testament was a doctrine of works-based salvation. And so many people believe, okay, well, the Old Testament was based on works and you had to sacrifice animals for your sins and you were forgiven and things like that. And now we're in an era of being forgiven by grace. 
but this so clearly lays out that it has always been through grace by faith yep. that we are saved. Every single one of these people, it is by the faith yep. that they have in the promise. Yep. And even now today, it is our faith in Christ. It is our faith in the promise that has been fulfilled through Christ and that still will be fulfilled on that last day yep. um, and in, in entering into eternity. It's our faith in that, that we receive salvation. So it has always been by the same grace and, and through the same faith in the promise. Now, in reference to Christ on the cross, this promise that they had faith in was this promise to come and they had faith in that. Now, like Darwin said already, and yet still not to come, we have seen Christ lay down his life for us. And we have seen that aspect of the promise being fulfilled, Mm -hmm. but still our salvation is still to be fulfilled on that day when we enter into eternity. So it's always been by faith, uh, by grace through faith in him. And, And again, mentioning the perseverance, that faith, we are still called to have that faith in the midst of perseverance because of the aspect that this the the fullness of our salvation has not yet been fulfilled. So we are still enduring and persevering to that day, yeah. like all of these people are referencing yeah. having done. Yeah, and I'd like to just say, so we're we're gonna be wrapping up this episode here shortly, but the next title and just so you know, your Bible all of these stories were not written with all the titles that you see in your Bible. They were not written with the letters and, or sorry, the numbers, that the big numbers and the little numbers. They weren't written with those. They weren't written with the footnotes that you had in there. This letter was written as a letter to these people. And so he's going through a bunch of different thoughts. And this next thought, your Bible makes it easier for you to find out what the thoughts are that are coming up. Mm-hmm. And this next one is do not grow weary. So by faith was not about getting that cool thing that you wanted or like, you know, this material thing that you wanted or that even like some situations may be like that. I'm not saying that it wouldn't be ever a situation like that. Like Mm -hmm. if you are having faith that you can get, you know, something in the future that is a desire of yours, but not an idol of yours, that's different. An idol of yours, that is a totally different conversation and your faith in getting that idol is going to result in failure. Uh, even if you do receive that idol, because receiving that idol is receiving the evil that you've desired. Mm -hmm. But when you are having faith in the promise in Jesus, and that's what this is really referring to is this future promise and its fulfillment in Jesus. And that's the the point of the book of Hebrews. Mm -hmm. If it is that, then, oh man, I need to not grow weary. And what are they not growing weary in? Well, there's persecution. I mean, if there's people being flogged, I mean, this last uh, portion of 11, he starts talking about all the things that the people endured. And some of the things that he said are stuff like, um, hmm, through faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, that sounds pretty good, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, that sounds a little Hmm. odd, uh quenched the power of fire hmm okay so you know stuff didn't get on fire that sounds like that sounds good to us escape the edge of the sword oh they're having to run from someone with a sword yike 
uh, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. That sounds pretty cool. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured. That doesn't sound really great. Refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Well, that sounds odd, but they did, and that was being commended by this Mm -hmm person uh others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment they were stoned they were sawn in two like the the author decided to put those words just before he said don't grow weary so there's a reason that he said it and it's not have faith in buying that house it's don't grow weary because you are going towards the promise that they were all going towards Mm -hmm. as well And what is that promise? That promise is the fulfillment of what Jesus came to do. Mm -hmm. And that is that heavenly city that they were talking about. That is Jesus himself and then all that comes with it. So all that said, we're going to get into episode four here shortly. So thank you for joining us. That's all the time we have today. We went over by a lot, but... It was needed because this is this is something that's so important mm-hmm. and we want you to understand this scripture so then you can not grow weary. So on this next episode, we're going to give you kind of our closing thoughts, um, kind of how we think it applies to our lives. Mm-hmm. This is where we get to that point. We finally, we do get to that point and that is the place that you should get to, but you don't want to skip the meat just to get to the dessert. You want to understand, you want to get the nutrients of the meat so then the dessert doesn't totally destroy you Mm -hmm. because you can. I mean, like you can get into some pitfalls if you just go ahead and apply something that you thought, you didn't think too deeply about it, and you just applied it onto your life. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to get those thoughts to you. Thank you for joining us. My name is Darvin Wentes. And I'm Aaron Runza. And we'll see you on the next one. Mm -hmm.